Hi, I am Patrick Palm, CEO and founder of Favro, and this is the Learn From Leaders podcast. The background to these interviews is that Favro clients are some of the most innovative and agile businesses out there. And it's used for collaborative planning by marketing teams, by product teams, HR, management teams. And what this means is that we get to know some truly inspiring people. So what we do in this podcast is that I invite them here for conversation about something where they are true leaders. So we can all learn from it. Let's go. And we are live with um, uh, Mind and uh, Martin. And today is a little bit special. Fabro, we are a partner with um, an organization called Random Hacks of Kindness. And uh, Mind and Martin did very well in that. And we will talk a little bit more about that in a second. But the reason that we partnered with Random Hacks of Kindness are several. I mean, first, we think they're doing simply very good for society, as we want to be part of supporting that. But another reason, you know, why we were helping them, that often when we meet with people at our clients, it is typically relatively, you know, senior managers and executives that uh, want their companies to be more flat, you know, more agile. And they talk quite a lot about uh, the kind of talent that they want to hire, uh, the kind of talent that they're promoting, and, you know, what's important to build an organization, you know, of the future. And when we have the chance to work with Random Hacks of Kindness, you know, we have a chance to interact much more, you know, with upcoming talent, basically the people that um, we are talking about with the people that we're typically talking with. So now we want to make sure we talk with upcoming talent, which is really shaping, you know, what game companies, SaaS companies, the best enterprises, you know, will look like tomorrow. So with that said, super, super welcome to the podcast, you know, mine and Martin. I think we uh, we should start by basically getting a little bit of the your background stories. What was it that led you to what you do for work today and uh, what uh, you did, you know, and why you entered uh, Random Hacks of Kindness? And maybe you can also say like a little bit about the hack product that you were part of. And that would be really cool as well. So I don't know, maybe if we can start with you, mind. Yes, of course. So um, first, how I get into like my profession, which is a uh, software developer. So I started off, I, I guess it's just like more traditional track of a software engineer. Where I started uh, doing computer science in the uni and naturally flow into software engineer internship and then career afterwards. And I still find it enjoyable for me. So to the random hack of kindness, like my initial thought was that I wanted to find some developers community that is outside of my work. Because I think it's quite helpful to like exchange with people that do like different projects, maybe using different technologies. And so um, that's sort of where I started looking for some communities. And then I came across this random hack of kindness. And I, I really like the idea that you could do this, this hackathon, which is like what you often do as a developer, but like for a nonprofit organization, which they can actually put it to use and for like good purposes. That's how I, I decided to join Random Hack Kindness. Yeah, the hack product that you did. Oh, yeah, right. Oh, sorry. I, so I was working for a project called uh, Station. So basically, they are an organization that bought like a big old police station building. And what they aim to do is to like sort of enable students 
who like have ideas but maybe don't have resources to achieve projects that are sort of profitable for community, um, basically community projects that are initiated by students and they are providing like spaces for students to meet and like uh, maybe guidance and information that could help them get started. And the project that I was doing for them is that so like they they are operating based on the membership model. So these students would be a part of their organization also for like non-students members with different fees and stuff like that. And what they need was to monitor their operation data a bit more basically like the number of members number of visits in in their space and like their finance and things like that for it to be easier to like sort of maybe optimize the way they operate and things like that basically like the data that of how the space is used um so yeah that was that was what i was working with Mikkel, which is the the operator at station uh, okay so um over to you martin so i know you are at uh, unity but uh, you know what's the story you know leading up to that and tell more about uh, you know your your hack project yeah so i've played and modified and created games since i knew how to play basically which start, um, got me into modding which in turn got me into coding and 3d modeling 2d art and drawing and also to write and dream and learn whatever i can and uh, have a very diverse set of interests I could get into because I like gathering up all kinds of weird facts and understanding how things work. And this kind of game design thinking and playful thinking about the world and figuring out how I can integrate some all different concepts like school subject matters into the games I was working on was how I memorized about 60% or something. And by that, I mean like everything past seventh grade was in my mind, a thing I could make into a game. So I didn't do any cram learning for the entirety of my A-levels because it just stuck due to that process. And towards the end of that, I was, I, I, when I was considering career paths, I thought maybe I'd go into engineering, but I've also done that for a while now. And I know that game development and game design is a messy field of passion in a way, or I knew that going in, but I just figured that if I only go and follow one of my passions, I'd have too many hobbies on my hand. So I had to make more than one of them my profession. And yeah, first, after studying game design, I followed that up with works in level design, game design, done some teaching, currently doing some mentoring still, and an engineering job at Unity and within the games industry. And I've done some biz dev in, beside, in between, also with freelancing. So I'm advertising myself as a technical designer, squarely between chairs, just like a technical artist, but for design. And currently that got me into Unity, working on tooling to collect the data and produce visualizations of that data to help game developers understand how to realize their vision on all platforms that they care about um, without having to sacrifice on scope or quality due to performance issues. And throughout all of this, I've solidified my belief that playing, learning, and working are, or at least should be, the same um, mind state and that you can't really cleanly separate between them. Flow is central to all of them and they can all be understood from each other. And I believe that this concept is very powerful and harnessed mindfully by game studios or other studios making or companies making any kind of digital or non-digital solutions and even learning products. And I don't mean that in the context of gamifying work or making edutainment games, but more yeah, making good products that have that in mind that this is how the mind works to retain information. And I've just been wanting to also find ways to apply that apply the design thinking and this this concept to other causes and this has got me what got me to random acts of kindness um where i worked with a project with purpose which is a accelerator and startup school for women entrepreneurs um and the project there was to help improve 
mobile experience of the learning material um, that they had for their online school. And what we did there uh, was to dig a little bit deeper and not just go about what's the mobile experiences, but why are you trying to improve the mobile experience? Where is the issue here? Is it the retention? How can we adjust the, the media format possibly to fit that? What is the current setup of it? Um, and throughout that, we found out that the CMS system they were using could be set up without much further technical need could be served in a way that was utilizing the databases uh, and the CMS structure a bit better, which helped us then being able to create uh, what you see is what you get interface for them to see where the learners are in the path, give the data to the website to be showing where they are, people are in the learning path, what they've seen already, and thereby with the idea that that would help retention and structuring the entire format to a bit more be a bit more mobile friendly and help people understand how they go through that not gamified but just make it a bit more juicy to go through the content and make it easier to maintain and build on that all right cool now when we know you a little bit better let's move into the main topic of today what it means to be a collaborative team player in the organizations of tomorrow. And I'm super excited to discuss this with both of you because it has a bit of a connection both to why we started Favor in the first place and, and also you know a lot of the other guests that I interviewed here on the podcast. And what I mean is that a couple of years back when we founded Favor, uh, my fellow founders and I, we had previously built another company in, you know, in the space of planning and collaboration for large-scale you know, software development, but that was in the premise space. And we were really looking at the market, everything which is going on. And we saw that organizations are actually changing quite rapidly in how they operate. A lot of organizations are rapidly moving towards having way more flat organization, more highly autonomous teams, more self-managing teams. This, of course, have been massively accelerated by COVID now when people are kind of working from anywhere. So there was just a couple of these kind of trends that we thought just generally were very positive and they were spreading outside of software development to really the whole organization. So really cool. But since we come from a tooling point of view, we were looking at, okay, so what does the tools look like? And that wasn't the best view. I mean, you know, we saw that most tools that were designed for a little bit bigger organizations, what we can call enterprise tools, they build very much on principles of, you know, centralization. And, you know, if you take something like, for example, you know, Jira, you know, it's everything into tickets. Everything is kind of like top down, command and control, and everything become, becomes the tickets. And it makes people very siloed. And we were like, well, wait a second, trend in organizations going the other way. It's more about way more collaboration, both between teams, between people, but also with management. Alignment towards company goals is no longer just like a top-down process where someone tells you, here's your ticket and this is what you're supposed to do. Uh, it's actually more of a two-way street where teams are expected to themselves align to these company goals. And very often when I have uh, leaders on this podcast, you know, we don't talk so much about tools and, and favor. I mean, they're normally already clients. So what we talk about is more or less say, the leadership aspects of this. And one of the things that very often comes back is is that if you want to have teams that are able uh, to themselves align towards company goals instead of things coming only top down, that requires a lot of things. It has required things around kind of how you organize your, your organization into like smaller teams that are cross-functional. Obviously, I like to talk about you know the tooling side of that. But the big thing that very often comes up, and if you listen to many of the previous podcasts, you, you will see this come back over and over again, is that there's also a new requirement for, for the people. 
the talent that we hire today needs to be much more what, what I often call T-shaped. You know, you need to have your speciality, but you also need to be more broad. So it's easier for you to be good at collaborating with others. And you need to basically, you know, the skills that are connected to being a good team player to collaborate is, is really key. So a lot of these leaders to talk a lot about this, like how to recruit this kind of talent, how to make them thrive in organization, you know, promote them, you know, make them into, you know, tomorrow's leaders. So this has been like a very big topic on this podcast. And I know that both of you in this, um, you know, hackathon were uh, named, I think it was called most collaborative hacker, right? So it's like a perfect uh, start here for the conversation. So maybe we start with you again, you know, for you, what being a, a collaborative hacker, you know, being a very collaborative team member, what does that, you know, mean for you? And maybe, you know, why do you think you were named that? Because you were obviously doing a lot of things right there. Yeah, so um, so what it means to me to be collaborative, I think it's basically just, just to make the teamwork works in some way. And for me, that's like, it's basically balancing between some different forces that comes up when you work with other people in projects like this. Like, you know, you have to know when to hear people out about their options and things like that. And also when to like contribute with your input. So it's, it's this like balancing between the, the input that you give to the team and like the, the input that you take from the team as well. And also like on the other hand, when you have to know when to compromise as in like when you can bend your prejudice or like your principles or like your way of doing things and let the team's way of doing things as a whole to let that take control instead of just like holding on to your opinions and also like balancing that with when to make a decision. So like at some, because at some point you will have to make a decision and at some point some decision had to be made by someone basically. So like balancing the, all those forces to make sure that the things that have to be finished are finished and at the quality that everyone is aiming for. Of course, like the tricky part about that is also about making sure everyone feels like they're a part of the team and all those things. I think it's just basically handling all those aspects without like leaving out anyone in the team. I think that's uh, what it means to be like collaborative. In this particular project or um, during the weekend, I think maybe one of the things that I was lucky with is that I, I was working on a project where I had a rather clear picture of what to, or like a way to achieve what the organization wanted to have. And so like they, they wanted to have this kind of dashboard with the, with the data displayed and everything. And I had some idea of what tools could help us achieve that and what way we could go that route. And so like during our brainstorming session, it was pretty straightforward for us because we sort of have a clear idea of what structure we could, what steps can we work on. And then um, everyone just throw an idea of how we would achieve each of the step, like what programming language would we use, what tech stack or what kind of programs can we use for each small part. So with that, it was pretty clear that we can go in like step one, two, three. And so three person working on that to working on this and that. And so like, I think because of that, it helped me distribute the task. So we could just say, for this part, we want to do this, raise hand. Who likes to do this part, raise hand. And everyone was really proactive and they voiced their opinion. So I think with like um, the whole team, we together, we, we were able to like work out everything pretty quickly. Super cool. You know, Martin, you know, same question to you. Yes. I like that. I, I'd like to build on the, um, the part of having everybody put their input in. Um, I think that's very critical to being able to 
draw it out of the people that might be not as proactive about it. Um, I also liked uh, a previous episode with uh, Joe from Timber that being vulnerable and accepting that you might not have all the answers um, and putting yourself out there. And for example, when I was working as a game designer, you're not the idea guy or gal. You're just a person that's trying to assemble all the ideas that are in the room into something, in, into a shape and a structure that makes sense. And so for that, you need to draw it out of people. You need to ask them questions like, what do you think this would work like? Why would this be fun? Why would you want to be working on this? And bring that into shape. And the hackathon, for example, there there is always a tendency in hackathons to just jump in and code the solution that was asked for, just as it is in like a hectic day-to-day job. But I do think it's valuable to make sure that you've aligned within the team that you've asked the stakeholders why you're doing this what the goal behind this is and ask questions until everybody understands exactly not maybe exactly what you need to be doing but why and make sure that that is aligned and not just following the what you're supposed to be doing that's something that we did there um and then afterwards like after a lot of discussions around it in the beginning we had an idea of this is what the actual underlying problems here are let's see how we can split investigating how to solve each of these and because we had the discussion around it we discovered through the further product discovery or problem discovery how the different parts that we were investigating the back-end side of it the UI side of it and just how to shape that as a product and which technology um, we could bring that all together as a team and continue building on that conversation we had started it was a nice thing with the hackathon being all co-located in one place so we could just throw ideas around and keep going as we work I don't think we really created much of any tickets of any sort. We just worked on it and we were just like, hey, I found this. This could work with that. Oh, I found this. This works with that. And just go as we go, not having to define too clearly up front what exactly the outcome is, but the direction and then going to that. Not breaking the tasks and roles too cleanly into separate roles, but more into what do you feel like investigating from this whole space that we were looking at? What do you feel like putting some effort in? And then we'll look at what we come up with that uh, within that. I think that's a very good point. I think generally, independent on you know what level in organization we're talking about, all the way from the team to executive management, that there's very often a tendency to rush too quickly to you know the how and things you know again become stickers. There's normally way more work that needs to be invested and you know have fierce conversations about what is it that we're actually going to do, and then you typically need to think so much around the, the why. And you know I think you see that very often that you kind of lose the why, and then the what kind of becomes a bit wrong and then the house you basically end up with something that might not be exactly what is um, desired so on this topic you have both um, experience of being in a few organizations already in your career i'm very curious to hear what are your like observations and, and thoughts on uh, what you think companies can do better and that maybe they are also doing very good to double down on so basically what do organizations do well and what do you think organizations can improve to create you know more collaborative environment and basically be better at the things we've been talking about so far do I go first? Yeah, go for it. Right. Um, so I feel like the organization these days are very aware of these issues, like the collaboration between different teams, especially when the company is big and have developer in one team located across different location. I feel like this is being sort of noticed much more that it's important to put effort into building environment and tools that we all can collaborate on. But I think one thing that seems to be tricky from my experience is that, so like when the task is clear, when we know exactly what to do, this task has been done and we have experience of what step exactly has to be taken. 
that tends to be like the planning or like the collaboration in those tasks tend to be more straightforward because we, we know how to break them down. We know who to allocate it to and things like that. And we are also better at estimating those and estimating what kind of collaboration we would need between teams. However, when the tasks get a little bit unclear, like for example, when a product is still, let's say in a stage where it's not clearly defined yet what the user would need or what the end product would look like, I feel like that's the area where collaboration became becomes really tricky regardless of tools so far like no matter what tools i have used in those teams it seems like unless you are sitting like side by side even when you're sitting side by side actually it's still difficult to do that kind of collaboration in a way that makes everyone feel like they're on top of things all the time that's my impression across different companies those were basically good points that i totally agree with uh, they are going in the right direction they are building these autonomous teams that have all the roles co-located or like at least in the team co-located even if they're working remotely with each other but it Yes, it doesn't feel like there's any single tool that I've seen used yet, to admit I haven't used Fafr too much yet, uh, that really built this out as a thing to have the more dynamic flow between people and handling this, uh, the tasks that they are there. What I've seen is that, especially when you, re- as you mentioned, like you reach those clears where the, you need to do continuous discovery because it's so unclear and you need to, for example, work on the engineering side to get the data so that you can understand what the data is. So then you can build on the design for it so you can figure out what the product is. And you need to do this in like very tight iteration cycles um, that are like shorter than a sprint. But you have to chunk up your tasks into tickets that are assigned to a single person and that are possible to be estimated for the next sprint or so. Then you just draw out your iteration cycles because your tooling and your processor and it's not really helpful. And you can have a company culture where you say, we're doing this collaboration. We're trying to have people talk to each other, but the tools don't support it. And then another thing I've seen an issue with is, and this is across the board, as I mentioned, I've tried to advertise myself as a technical designer. I've talked to a bunch of companies on different occasions about it. And there's been people that told me, oh, we can't have a technical designer role at our company. We're too small. We don't do that. Or they said, we are too big. And I can't only tell you, like, you can't be both. And people are still trying to separate people into boxes and have the role description very narrow. And then they might want to have flat hierarchies and they don't want to define the title so much. And then what Joe as well mentioned in your last episode, um, with needing to have some structure of the hierarchy, not necessarily hierarchy, but like where people are in the leveling and how they move between them. I used to be on the on the side of, I don't care about titles. I don't want to talk about titles. This is useless. Um, I just want to be doing the work. But I, I do agree with his points about there needing to be that clarity of where are you and where are you going with it and what are you doing with it. And the system needs to be set up so flexibly that it can support people with yeah more diverse skill set as well um, so that they can apply in the different roles and aren't limited to just what their specific contract says that they should be doing. So those are the two things I would maybe say are the most hindering. Yeah, that's very good points. And for the ones of you, you know, listening, you know, what, what Martin is referring to is uh, the previous podcast with Joey at uh, Timber Games. And he was uh, talking about titles in an organization and the importance of clarity. And especially, you know, when uh, when you have um, kind of, you know, working from, you know, anywhere situation, you know, you, you really need to think deeper and, and optimize, you know, for that situation. And, and then, you know, transparency, clarity becomes exponentially, you know, more important. There was something else, you know, you said there that I picked up on, which is, you know, the, the, you know, the short iteration length. I mean, this is definitely, you know, one of the absolute kind of, let's say, key drivers that we see in the market for what makes it so hard today. And that is that 
you know, if I look at our customers, they're typically, you know, software as a service companies. And, and if you look at any game studio today, I mean, they are in practice a software as a service company because all games are live today. It means that if you look at collaboration between, let's say, product and marketing, to take a classic example, uh, you know, in the old days, you know, it was very linear. Okay, first you make the product and then you try to figure out, like, okay, what's the marketing going to look like? And you can't do this if you have feature drops, you know, content drops, event drops on a weekly basis. This needs to happen, you know, much more in sync. You know, again, this, this is a topic that's been discussed on, on several of the previous podcasts, but I would really like to ask you from, let's say, more of like a, of like a team and people perspective, because I guess you've been in many situations where you need to collaborate, you know, with people in kind of, in other disciplines, let's say marketing teams, operations teams, sales teams, you know, whatever, you know, any, any other, other kind of team. What kind of, again, observations and, and views do you have there? You know, do you find it to be challenging that, you know, suddenly, you know, you're, you're talking to a marketing person, it's like an alien, or do you find it like, no, 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 you know, it's kind of like it's super cool, no problem. Or, I mean, I would love to hear some reflections upon that. From my experience, also like with what Martin is talking about, about like collaboration between these teams and how organizations see different roles. I, I feel like one of the direction that I see a lot of companies are, are going to is like having a team that includes people from different disciplines and just build a team based on a product or a service rather than abilities or capabilities of people in the team. Um, so for example, I've seen a company that would have like a product owner, UX designer, UI designer, uh, software developer, test engineer, quality engineer within like one team that support like one product. And I think that direction is actually really helpful when it comes to like short iteration cycle because everyone has an input that is ready. Like the, the product owner already would have an information of what the direction, the, the feature should look like, how the product should look like. And the software engineer, for example, can already give a feedback whether that's something that we can achieve in how long a time. That dynamic that of like interdisciplinary team like that is really, really useful in terms of the context of fast-paced development that we have nowadays. Like as a software engineer, I don't get a lot of interaction with other like marketing department or sales department, but I feel like those input have sometimes been channeled through like the product owner or the one who sort of designed the product, uh, they could get input or get like feedback from the marketing data or the sale data, for example, even though like, yeah, collaborating tightly with the different department, like tech team, you know, potentially like the production team and marketing team. I, I never saw that happening yet. I would assume that like the, the collaboration there would be, can be quite difficult in a way that we would have very different focus, like different metrics. I think to some extent, having a product owner who sort of channel those information, who filter and sort of translate it into what a product team can use. I think that's a, that's a pretty nice like line to draw between these departments. I would say that I, I hope you will get more of that experience because I, I think it can be very rewarding. I mean, if I can just share an observation, I think if you look at a lot of the, the, the companies that, that really go into hyper growth or, you know, some of the absolute best upcoming game studios, you know, one of the things that they, they truly do well is actually that kind of, you know, cross team collaboration, you know, where product team, you know, marketing team, they are really working in sync. And again, I'm, I'm not going to go into favor pitching mode here, but you know, this is one of those things where when you have to look at if you have something you're going to ship you know when both let's say marketing and product have to look at the same thing and you're forced to collaborate you know as you say you know it is hard but this is also one of the core principles in agile 
that when you have something, you know, which is which is hard and complex, you need to bring that to the surface. You know, you, you need to face it, you know, head on. And then when you start getting really good at that, that is amazing, you know, for a company. So I can definitely say that the ones who do this well, uh, it, it is typically you know, one of the things that you know leads them to that amazing, amazing growth. Okay, Martin. So uh, what about you? I feel like I'm mostly there. I'm also very. Uh, I used to be an introvert. I'm not sure when that changed, um, but. The Unity office in Copenhagen is very, very nice and vibrant and the culture is pretty great with the people. And so I, I do feel like within my team and with the extended team, like all the support functions around it for the products that we're making, we have a very good collaboration going. Um, we have a very good understanding. And I personally love going out and talking with the different roles and figuring out what their, uh, what their work entails, how that works out um, and figuring out how we can work together to get things completely across the finish line, including the marketing how do we publish this? How do we present this somewhere? How do we build the learning material for it? All of that. But I, I do realize also that it's not necessary for everyone. Um, it's, it can be a bit of a leap to try to pull all of these different threads in and it can be distracting and, and there's so many possibilities to do this. I know that some, for some teams, there is a need to have somebody in the team that kind of handles uh, that a little bit, maybe as a specialized role, as a producer of some sort, to help with that where the team members themselves maybe aren't so comfortable um, reaching out to people. But I do th still think that there's quite a lot of value for every single team member to reach out, to work directly collaboratively with their peers and in the different roles, to build that understanding, to build that cohesion in the team so that you know why you're doing this, why you're doing some disorder. Everybody on the team needs to know what your deadlines are for the marketing, what the beats are that marketing has laid out and how that works out. That kind of stuff, right? But not to the full degree, but have a collaboration, have a have a report with all of these functions going on that you you have a common basis to speak, uh, common language to speak. Uh, I think it can lead to quite some great outcomes. Thank you so much. Uh, we're up on time. It was truly great, um, you know, speaking with uh, you know with both of you. For all of you listening, if you like this, uh, you know what to do. Like it, uh, share it on your preferred social media, and you know check out some of the other episodes. Uh, see you in the next one. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I certainly did. If you want to elevate yourself as a modern leader and help your teams become even more successful, then check out Favor Academy at favro.com. They will find podcasts, webinars, articles, all free of charge. Check it out.